Welcome to the third episode of the Trail Mix Podcast. My guest today is my friend Mac Friday, a junior at ASU studying sports journalism and a native of Houston, Texas. And Mac is as much fun as you can ask for in a podcast guest. We're going to be talking about a lot of things on this podcast, ranging from the Whataburger versus In-N-Out debate, Call of Duty, and how Mac once backed his Ford Mustang into a ditch. Now, you won't want to miss this edition of the Trail Mix Podcast. Your dad was Coach Friday. Coach Friday the man. Coach Friday the man. So we all hear the stories about Coach Friday, but I want to ask, what was it like growing up with football coach in the house? What was that experience like? Um, I mean, he was always – it was always – I was almost always at the football games, I guess – I, I wasn't there when I was much younger to what I remember. My mom would take me home. I wasn't that interested in sports when I was younger than 10. Sure. But having him in the house, I mean, one of, Coach Friday is the nicest dude I know. I love that guy to death. That's my best friend. But, yeah. like, at the same time, he can put his foot down if he wants to. He's got control. It's, my mother's got a lot of control, too. My mother runs the house. Don't. That's that's who really runs the show. <laughs> got it. But my dad will put his foot down if he needs to. So him as a football coach, I would say, like, it it was just another, another side of him as my father. It was like, like you flip a coin. You flip a quarter. Heads is one side football coach one side dad the other side i guess got it dad slash t or football coach slash teacher football coach yeah well he's teacher. coached he's coached a bunch of stuff he's coached uh wrestling basketball uh football mostly um did he play a lot of sports growing up he did yeah uh he he was on like the junior back when there were like junior varsity football teams at colleges like oh, junior okay. teams to D1 teams, he went and played football for Princeton. He was okay. a tight end, I'm pretty sure. And dude, I, dude was pretty nasty from what I've, the stories I've told, or I've heard. Okay. But um, played on the junior team at Princeton or practice squad or whatever it was at Princeton while uh, studying to be a chemical engineer. And he's a diabetic, too. So he's a jack and of all so, trades. So he, at that point, like two years into that, he hated it. And okay. he transferred to Vanderbilt. And he studied classics and was a male cheerleader. <laughs> wow! So this dude is a dog. I should have Just, I should have Coach Friday on this we podcast. Need, Coach Friday would give you some good stuff. I would love to hear him on that. Just because he would probably tell he might tell you some stuff that I don't even know. Yeah, some good stories. I mean, ending up from Princeton to becoming a male cheerleader at Vanderbilt. In the SEC. At Vanderbilt, yeah. You know, I always watch male cheerleaders, and I think there's such there's such a like a sexist stigma about male cheerleaders, but you think about it, like they're the strongest. They have to be Dude, they have some to be. of the strongest people I've ever seen to lift humans, toss them in the air, catch them. I mean, you have to have incredible upper body strength, lower body strength. They do not get nearly the credit for the athletic abilities they have. Imagine throwing a hundred pound cheerleader just, yeah. just like six feet in six feet in the air out of your hands like six more feet in the air beyond your hands so that's that's like 12 somewhere that's like 12 12 plus feet up in the air and you're chucking a human being up there you're chucking a human being up onto your palms and then you have to balance and hold them by their feet or their ankles or whatever above your head above your head while they do poses and stuff and like one-legged stuff and like much respect to them you think about how tiring it is to toss a 30-pound medicine ball around after a couple minutes. I can't. I, you got you to gotta really put some effort to throw a 30-pound 30 30 medicine ball up above your head. Like, if you really want to, like, move it and move it the way that – move it explosively the way that they throw cheerleaders in the air. Yeah. It's not easy. I and, mean – And that's a lot heavier than that. Exactly, because that's 110 pounds – of a human being for four quarters of a college football game, which typically takes about three hours and 30 minutes. I mean, to be fair, it is kind of like it does reflect football in the way that there's a lot of breaks between plays. Sure. If if you look at it that way, imagine them doing a stunt as a play. There's a lot of time 
in between the quote-unquote snap of the ball or throwing of the cheerleader. Um, so I, they get they probably get rest, but without a doubt, those guys are much respect to them. Eventually, we're gonna talk to Coach Friday. That's I would I'm I, putting that down on if, the list. W- we got to crack a couple cold ones and get Coach Friday on trail mix. <laughs> I would love that. I I would. Love would you come on? You would come on with I me would, for that. I would. I would. Get come to interview. On, I would come on and help you. Yeah. Interview your pops. Absolutely. I dude. would love that. So. We if we don't even we don't even have to we don't even have to get him here in person. Oh, we can totally. We isn't can that get the him, magic of Zoom? We can get him over Zoom. We could have him drink a beer with us. Like I would do, love that. Literally, he would do whatever. So he would be happy to talk to you. I'm. I'm definitely sure he would. You know, one of the things I've always been interested in asking you about is What's I've that, been man? to many cities in this country. Uh, if you name a major American city, Mac, I've probably been to it except for St. Louis. I haven't been to Miami, and I haven't been to Houston. So I want to ask, growing up in Houston, you're a lifer in Houston just like I'm a lifer in San Jose. What are the simple things about Houston that you miss? That's tough. That's a good question. Um, simple things. I don't know. I feel like Houston's just a, a constant reminder to me of good vibes and just all the fun things that I've done there. Because when you leave a place, when you leave a place and you start living somewhere else and then you return and you spent so much time there, you find yourself, even when you're doing like a daily task, like going to the grocery store, you think about something you did with somebody like, oh, I went with this person to Chick-fil-A and we did donuts in the parking lot and we turned there to go there that one night. Yeah. Like you look at the road that leads to it or something like that. Like just the simple, the simple reminders of things that have happened and just being, it's just being comfortable and it's just, everything's familiar to you again. It's just, that's something simple that I miss. Um, I mean, uh, is it simple to miss your family and your dog? Because uh, yeah. that's that's definitely. I miss true. my family. I my miss dog. my. I'm sure you do. Like, we got a new puppy this summer. I'm su- I want to go back and see her. Um, I want to go back and see all the coaches and teachers at Kincaid. Like I've, like people who graduate from Kincaid usually try to get away from it as fast as possible because well, you've been in that because you've been there for so life. long exactly and that's something that i i did as well but with the presence my dad has in the faculty with the time i've been there with the like role that the friday family like carries like we don't really have clout at kincaid it's just like my dad's a presence that everybody knows and uh-huh. so if you carry the friday name you know john friday and coach friday and that carries a lot of weight to it. So, like, just, like, knowing all the faculty and the coaches that I know and love, like, there's a there's a coach there named Coach Eggleston. He's, like, my second father. I love that guy. He employs me over the summers. Sure. Uh, I grew up with him just as much as I grew up with my father besides living with him. So, um, I don't know. Simple pleasures, just recognizing everything around you and not having to worry about where you're going. Yeah. I mean, I don't really worry about where I'm going, but when you have to be conscious conscious of where you're going rather than just you can just kind of go into autopilot and you know your city, your area, like the back of your hand, uh, family, and then probably just the people in Houston who love me most besides family, friends, uh, faculty at Kincaid, people I'm close to, just that kind of stuff. That's, that's probably what I meant. I know for me, San Jose has... Uh, Almaden specifically where I grew up has a lot of views and one thing I will always cherish is Friday nights after the high school football game everybody rallying up in and out burger so I know in Texas it's a little different can I counter we have the ultimate rivalry between in and out and Whataburger oh my goodness is this what we're gonna get into now I just want to hear your thoughts Mac okay well, well, do you want to hear my thoughts on In-N-Out versus Whataburger? I do. Or do you want to hear my thoughts on where everybody goes after Texas high school football games? Because... I want to hear both, but I already know the answer. Okay, well, everybody goes to Whataburger after Texas high school football games. There's a lot of people. I, I ask this because there's a lot of people on this podcast that have no idea. Because you got to understand, Whataburger is not a thing in California. 
is it is I in and you. out country. In and out, in and out is very sel- has just now become a thing in, in Texas, right? It, and Houston especially, just because they built two locations this last summer, I think. Yeah, like the in and out logo should be part of the California flag at this point. It is that ingratiated in the culture. But I yeah. Explain I got you. to people that are that are listening out there, my trail mixers. Um, what Whataburger is in Texas because all I hear about is Whataburger, Whataburger, Whataburger. And it's basically what In-N-Out is to us in California. If you live in America, you know that football plays a massive role in our society mm-hmm. and the way the way we operate, who we are as people. It builds uh, values uh, to young men um, and uh, whichever women choose to play it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Football is the backbone of it. And after football, after a high school football game, which is even hotter commodity than regular football across America, high school football in Texas is crazy. Small towns close everything down to go watch their teams on Friday night. High school football is bigger than collegiate football in California. In okay. Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. It, exactly. So after a high school football game, especially in small towns, especially anywhere there's a Whataburger nearby. Typically, everybody goes to the Whataburger. I mean, like, my dad grew up after high school football games, he would have to go. To, he went to this, he told me he went to this place called Pizza Inn. Okay. It's like an old pizza chain that's barely around, hang, clinging to life. <laughs> <laughs> and, um,. Uh, he told me that the Pizza Inn was like his hangout spot. So everybody, everybody has a high school football post post game hangout spot. Okay. And everybody in Texas is is usually Whataburger, and so that not only like drives everybody's like cultural feels about it, but Whataburger just represents what Texas is. Kind of like it's just like California. Like it's emblazoned into your soul as a Californian. The Whataburger is emblazoned into my soul as a Texan. What is it about Whataburger and Texas that just go together? Um, I think it's the fact that it's it's ours. It's Texas's brand. It, yeah, it's originated it originated in Corpus Christi down the coast from Houston. Um, and we all every ask anybody in Texas, and they'll typically say that. Whataburger is better than In-N-Out, and it's for a variety of reasons, which, I mean, I'll get into, I guess, right now. Let's hear um, it. I'm here to prove we can have a civil discussion about I, No, this. I can absolutely <laughs> have a civil discussion. I, I'm not going to get toxic. Um, so, Whataburger, here's, here's, here's the thing. In-N-Out is very specific. In-N-Out has stuck to what their, their models of fast food production since Basically, they, they, they came started. out. It's fries, shakes, burgers. Yeah. Pretty much, that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, you got the secret menu lore and all that stuff, um, but that, that's not really all my jazz. So, at Whataburger, it's not just burgers. Yes, Whataburger's in the name. That's what they originated with, okay. but Whataburger has expanded to have chicken on their menu, uh-huh. Mexican inspired uh dishes on their menu like what like like tacos and uh what taquitos. tacos there's chicken no fa- you can way. get a chicken fajita taco you can get okay. uh taquitos breakfast taquitos so that's another thing breakfast so it's chicken uh something that diversifies whataburger beyond in and outs wildest dreams is chicken and 11 p.m to 11 a.m breakfast and the shining the shining star of Whataburger and Whataburger's breakfast is the honey butter chicken biscuit. And okay. In and Out will never create something like the honey butter chicken biscuit. That's just how good it is. Honey butter chicken biscuit. I've, see, I've I've only had Whataburger one time. What did you have? I just had like a burger because I thought that's What'd what you, you get had like to a number have. one like a regular burger or like yeah. an all-time favorites burger No, just different. a regular burger. So, also something about Whataburger um there's a lot more diversity in burgers than the In-N-Out, or than In-N-Out. In-N-Out's, In-N-Out's got its tried and tested double-double. Yeah. And they ride with that as their main platform. Uh, with us, it's, or with Whataburger with us. Uh, gotta be biased, or gotta be unbiased. <laughs> so, so with, uh, I would say with Whataburger, it's just the diversity of the menu, 
24 hours, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So if you're hammered at 3 a.m. and you get somebody to drive you, absolutely, you can go to Whataburger at any time. And really, so 24 hours, 24, every single location? 24, I would say, I think every single location is 24-7. Okay. But they have their own discretion to close whenever they want. But they don't, okay. they typically don't. If that makes sense. Sure. I, I, I don't know their company policies or whatever. Yeah. Whatever I, I they don't run. expect yeah, you to Nobody know. knows that stuff. So. <laughs> Who in their right mind besides somebody working in the industry would know that? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no. I, I just feel like at, when, you, when you boil it down, it all comes down to Whataburger versus In-N-Out is just another example of two of two, the two biggest, not in physical size, Two of the three biggest in physical size, but also in cultural impact states in our country. Yeah. It's it's Texas, which is the Lone Star State, has four core incredible cities, mm-hmm. except for Dallas. Never mind. Nobody likes Dallas. Yeah. No, no, no I'm just kidding. The f- four core incredible cities. In California, you have just as many, if not more, incredible cities. Like, one one state is the oil production of our entire country and sure. the other is the technological innovations behind a lot of our entire country and a sure. bunch of other stuff and it's just it's just two very sta- two very proud bases of people from two different places who want to prove that theirs is better I think the way you just sum that up is the perfect way to describe the in and out versus it's just today. another it's another example of that Internally, it's a chapter of it. It's the California versus Texas debate. Absolutely, because we're prideful as Californians. Everybody knows Texans are prideful. Every Texan I've come across has some Texan flag, or I have two in my room. They clap deep in the heart of Texas. You know, they've been to Six Flags. It's, it's just, it's a prideful state. But California is the same way. I mean, California takes absolutely much. I have a ton of respect for that and i'd say the only other two states are maybe people that come from florida and people that come from new york i was gonna i was gonna say the same thing um we have a friend from miami that reps miami we have friends from new york that rep new York. york But between you and I, it comes down to, like you say, it's a chapter of the Texas, Texas versus California rivalry. Exactly. And I think my argument for in and out is people that haven't experienced in and out on a Friday night after a football game or just on a Saturday night in general, that was where in and out has a great business model because you'll never find an in and out that's not on the corner right by an exit to a freeway. I don't know how they do this real estate wise, but they never get shuffled in. Like you'll find five guys sometimes is it shuffled in a strip mall. Absolutely. Like yep. Chipotle shuffled in a strip mall and you can't see it on the street. You'll never miss in an out burger. So would you, ever. would you typically say that they specifically get plots of land that are close to major roadways? I would say they that's, I mean, only, that's they explicitly only do. do that. That's, and okay. I don't know how they do that, but that's what they do. Absolutely. And because of that, there's parking always on three sides. So everybody pulls up on three sides, which means there's just a gaggle of people just grouped together. You find people that you haven't seen since elementary school, middle school, people that you run into from T-ball, people that you run into from shows that you've done. Absolutely. You know, and the best part about In-N-Out, and I know you can relate to this, the car meets. The car meets. There's, y'all is, have car meets? We have car meets in, in the no, Bay I know, Area. No, I know. I know. I, for sure you have but, car meets in the Bay Area. But, but it's right but, by the In-N-Out. But y'all, or is is the car meet spot close to the In-N-Out? Is that what you're saying? It is the oh, In-N-Out. It is the In-N-Out. Okay, that's what I, that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. That's what I was making sure. So. We have a Coles right next to an In-N-Out. There's a little strip parking lot right there. And that's where and y'all. that's where the car meet ends up. Gotcha. I, I'm not a part of the car culture, right. but you're a part of the Houston car culture. Yeah. But that's what I mean. If we needed to pass an important city document, I'm pretty sure that happens at In-N-Out Burger. Okay. Because that's just where people meet. And the other thing in terms of the food, sometimes you can be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And I'm not saying that Whataburger is, I'm sure what Whataburger does works really well for them, but In-N-Out has perfected what they've done. I I agree. I, I do. I will say, I think it's a little bit overrated. But as as but I I think that's the typical response from 
It's good, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I feel like the overrated response is typical because Californians hype it up so much. And same with Texans with Whataburger. Because we're so proud of it. Yeah. And if you're not from either or you don't have a strong inkling to one and you're just kind of a neutral observer, you kind of eat it and it's like, oh, it's just like, it's a, it's it's a burger. Ab- it's an above par fast food sure. burger. It's a burger at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. So, honestly... If you get down to the nitty-gritty, here is my philosophy when it comes to who is actually the better fast food chain. Okay. This is this is important stuff. So, the In-N-Out Double Double is a fantastic fast food burger. Yes. It is probably, uh, if you consider Five Guys fast food, then it's second to that. If you consider Shake Shack fast food... It's like right below that you're as well. You're starting to price but me that's, out at that but level. But that's you're starting to price us out at that level. Exactly. That I mean, you're that is high school and college kids. That is not fast food. That is casual, quick dining. Okay. Yeah. Because that's a good way to because there's it. not very many drive-through. We we had a had a false experience in Payson thinking that a Dunkin' Donuts drive-through that was connected to a Five Guys was a Five Guys drive-through, <laughs> and we got so optimistic and yeah. we were let down. Yeah. And we had to get our butts out of the car and go inside. Yep to get our food and so if you're looking at specifically fast food where you can drive through the in and out the in and out double double is about as good as it gets the number two from whataburger is not better than the uh double double from whataburger number two from whataburger is like a double meat whataburger sure that comes it's with a double like, cheeseburger. it's a it's a double it's just a double hamburger you can okay. get cheese on it you can get all the stuff that comes with it on it um, sure it's better. The in and out is better in that right. But here comes my big but. Okay. But I think that, honestly, any, but especially the patty melt on the all-time favorites menu, but any of the all-time favorites, I think they put, I think they put the in and out double-double on the map. Like, just absolutely knock it out. Okay. Just because... Yes, it's building off a base of a burger that wasn't as good, but it's the extra it's the extra it's the extra dough you put up. It's the extra money you put up to get on to get the all-time favorites meals. Sure. And the extra time and quality that they put into those that makes it different from just the normal burger that they had originally. If I'll, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'll ask, have you had In-N-Out in California? I have not and I would love to. I really I would really enjoy getting that perspective because that wouldn't, that's like, I don't know what to compare it to, but that's like, that's like me being the biggest supporter of Whataburger probably at Cronkite and potentially ASU. Yeah, you fly the Whataburger flag. I have, I have uh, at least four uh, numbered Whataburger table tents in my room right now. Okay. And I have a Whataburger shirt in my drawer. Okay. My friend, my friend uh, Will, we call him Hefe. He goes to Texas A and M. Yeah. There's some crazy ass, crazy country boys over. <laughs> you could say it, bro. Crazy ass country boys over at Texas A at Texas A and M. But this guy, this guy is my friend Will. We call him Hefe. He's not a country boy, but he's a rambunctious man. Okay. He he gets up to some things. Um, he currently has a full stack of Whataburger table tents numbered one okay. to ninety nine. Got a boy. Every single one of them, all taken from Whataburgers throughout the probably Cypress, Texas area. Rest in peace, Cypress, Texas, Whataburgers. <laughs> Hefe's after you. And I've heard that's that's like hitting for the cycle in Texas. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but that's a great way to put it. <laughs> that is that is probably the best way you could have put it. You absolutely hit for hit for the cycle in Texas if you get a one through ninety nine <laughs> table tent set of Whataburger numbers. How many do you have? Uh, I probably have like seven or eight in total. Okay. I only get the numbers that hold the significance to me. So that's why you have seventy seven. I have so seventy seven. Why seventy seven? Uh, seventy seven was the first number I ever liked. Okay. Uh, when I was younger, I was when I was like four or five years old. I was really into NASCAR. Okay. And. Uh, does the name does the name Travis Kwapel uh, or Travis Kwapel? Yeah, does that ring a bell? Yeah, it does ring. In two thousand, in like two thousand four, Travis Kwapel was driving the yes. number seventy seven, the Kodak yellow car. Kodak car, the Kodak car, and that car was so cool. And uh, for a four year old Mac Friday, yeah, and it had the big fat red seventy sevens yeah. with the black outlines on it. 
and I was just enamored by that okay. number, and it just stuck with me. And so, wow. to, that whenever I was younger, people would ask me, hey, what's your favorite number? Uh, I would say 77. And then when my sister graduated college, she was a college softball player like we talked about. Okay. I spent a ton of time in the softball field. Uh, she wore 22 throughout okay. her entire college softball career. And, uh, like, our whole family had 22 necklaces and all this other stuff. Like, 22 was a big number. And I wanted – and my sister was a much better athlete than I ever was. But um, I wanted to cue on the athleticism from my sister and kind of channel my own number that my family could like. And I chose 25. uh, But that was – I wore that 7th and 8th grade lacrosse. And then I wore that – uh, JV lacrosse until my junior year when I got called up to varsity and they didn't have 25. Okay. And so uh, I was wearing 77 uh, on varsity football at the time. Okay. And I was like, screw it, like, let's go to 27 because 27 is a good number. The guy who had just left before me, uh, a guy named Rhett Cardwell, was hilarious. And so why not channel the good vibes of wearing the 27 okay. that Rhett Cardwell wore? I hope he's good. Um, shout out Rhett. But, uh, Let's see. I wore a bunch of different numbers, dude. Do you have a lucky number? Uh, I don't really have a lucky number. Mine are three and seven. Okay. Um, I'll tell you my numbers, then you tell me your story behind your lucky numbers. So, in football, I think I wore, I wore 77 in middle school. I wore 59 freshman year because I just got assigned a jersey. That's the ultimate assigned number jersey. Oh, no. The ultimate assigned number jersey is what I wore sophomore year. Which was? 69. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I wore 69 my sophomore year, and I was starting on JV. Second game, uh, I was playing so well that year. Uh, the only, probably the only time I ever played well or played no, you're football playing nice, well. Mac. You're playing nice. Come on. I was playing. I was playing. I was nice. Uh, yeah, I was nice. But it, come anyways, on now. okay. I was starting on the offensive <laughs> line at wearing sixty nine, and I dislocated my left kneecap all the way almost to the oh, inside of my leg, God. where it almost flipped around, uh, like onto the back side of my that's, leg. That's not nice. And so I don't think I changed numbers after that, but like sixty nine did not just did not carry the vibes that <laughs> 69 typically carries after the injury. <laughs> and then when I went up to varsity, I wore 77 for the rest of the, my time. So I that was fun. 69 from Whataburger's got to be the most sought after. Oh, my God. That that might be one of the most sought after items in the state of Texas. Are you, are you guys kind of in the back of the line seeing what number people are trying to shuffle around uh, to see who gets 69? I, I mean, that's probably, like, a running gag with a bunch of, like, friend groups okay. in Texas somewhere, I'm sure. I, I'm just but picturing it's probably, that happening. It's probably not that, it's, it's probably not that drawn out. I don't know. I, I remember when I got my 27 uh, Whataburger tent. It was, almost, it was also, that was also something that my sister inspired me to do because she got a 22 Whataburger tent, and it was in her car. And she okay. would drive me to school when I was younger because we both went to Kincaid. So, um... I we were in Louisiana for our spring break trip for lacrosse our senior year and we played we played two teams up there and we were on our way or it was I think we were right about to be on our way back and I I'll never forget this we were at some Whataburger out past Baton Rouge like it was like BF nowhere Louisiana basically <laughs> sure and I've been there and yeah, so probably. we stop at this Whataburger um, there's probably about ten to 15 maybe 20 of us not our full team some people had like Kincaid kids after after trips like that they don't like they don't fly back or or they don't drive back on the bus they'll like go back with their parents and go to their lake house or fly back or do some crazy stuff because they're all rich but uh, we might have been the full team there but anyways we go to the Whataburger we're ordering um we're ordering our food and I got really excited because my personal favorite off the all-time favorites menu is only available in, like, Louisiana and, like, Mississippi and Florida. It's called the Chop House Cheddar Burger. Okay. And the Chop House was on the menu, and I was excited because they don't have it in Texas. Right. And my friend, or my teammate and somewhat friend Malcolm was in front of me. Malcolm uh, was about to step up to the register, and there's a bright orange and white 
number 27 sitting on the top of the pile. Calling your name. And I, I had watched another one of my teammates, or I'd watched the employee took my other teammate's order pull off the other number and just revealed it in all of its glory. And I, I had been waiting. I had been doing so many opportunities, taking so many opportunities sure. to look for it. And it was like, it's going to happen. And it happened at this Whataburger in Louisiana. And Malcolm was in front of me, and I explained to Malcolm, like, dude, like, can we please swap spots? Because this is like, I really want this table tent, and I'm about to take it. I'm not about to give it back to the person. <laughs> I'm not. I don't care. I like. I'm. I'm taking it. Come on. And Malcolm. and he's and I'm like, come on, Malcolm. Come in the clutch. Basically, come on, Malcolm. Like, t- give me, give me the spot so I can take the table tent. And Malcolm was cool. He's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Gave me a weird look, but I took it. Yeah. And it's been in my uh, hands ever since. And I, 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 I specifically was like hiding it like under my lap. Okay. So like whenever they brought us our food, she wouldn't take it back. Got it. And I was, I was like sketched, like, is she gonna ask me where my table tent is? Like, <laughs> like, I'm gonna be like, I didn't get one. I've planned the whole escape for this 27. <laughs> Come on. So the reason I have three and seven as my lucky numbers. Yeah, yeah. Tell me. Yeah, yeah. Is it's hard to tell even why I have seven. So there's a logical reason, and then there's like a, a personal reason. So seven, I just feel like brings good vibes. I'm not, Always, in, yeah, I'm not I, into numerology or anything, but seven just brings good vibes. I feel like well, 2007 was a good year for me, and 2017 was a good year. Do you remember 2007? Yes, yeah, so I took a huge vacation, and I went to my first NASCAR race okay. in no wonder the fall you of 07, and I saw Jeff Gordon win. It was mm-hmm. a huge day for your boy. Um, Love that. But yeah, we traveled all around the country in 07, so it was a good year. Um 2017 is a good year. I just feel like seven typically brings good vibes. Three. 2017 was the best year of my life. Yeah. It's just 2017 was just a good year overall. 2017. Summer of 2017 brought nothing but good vibes. Everybody gives the hype to summer 16. I give no. the hype to summer 17. Slept on. Slept on. Slept. 2017 was very slept on. 2017 was a great, great year. Anyways, tell me, tell me about number three. So three is the first number I got in baseball uh, for T-ball. I was on a team that had blue in it every single year I played. Blue. So okay. first year was the Mets. So it was blue with an orange shirt. And um, I had number three. I was Jack, number three on the Mets. And uh, I was also a big fan of this little-known movie called The Sandlot at the time. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, you may have heard of it. There is a scene in the Sandlot about Babe Ruth, where he comes out and talks to Benny the Jet. Babe Ruth? Exactly. (laughs) Great Bambino. Number three, and I was a huge fan of that movie, and I ended up writing this paper that my mom... I love that my mom has kept pretty much everything I've done in school, uh... She's one of those parents that just keeps a lot of stuff. She kept this paper that I wrote in kindergarten where I was supposed to write things that I was thankful for and just, I don't even know. It was some. It was for some award. And I ended up writing that nobody is the bestest because I was five. So I said nobody's the bestest except for God and Babe Ruth. <laughs> and... Hey. Because of that, I've just always been a big fan of the number three. It also brings good vibes because Dale Earnhardt ran the number three. Absolutely. And there's just been, I feel like anybody that's had the number three, typically, just good things come around the number three. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. Follow your heart. Follow your heart, kid. Absolutely. So then, yeah, those were my two numbers. I'll tell you what, I want to ask you about your pride and joy, which is car <laughs> okay talk to me about your car okay so i i have a good transition for this is gone but i want to hear i want to hear you talk about your baby a little bit so do you want to hear the story of when i first got it yeah so was it love at first sight hear me out i'm motioning to jack just listen to me sure so sophomore year of high school um my birthday, sophomore year of high school, you're 15 turning 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's when you first get your driver's license. That's when you first start driving. My birthday is January 3rd. Um, so wow. 
up until for for a long time up until that point, myself and my best friend Arian every morning before class and tutorial, or we would hang out in the library, and we would go on websites like CarMax, CarGurus, Texas Direct Auto, like all these used car websites, looking at cars we were interested in. Like for him, it was BMWs. For me, it was Mustangs. Um, So I was always looking at Mustangs and. It got to the point where I was 16, I got my driver's license, and I didn't have a car yet, and my parents started exploring the option of uh, looking into buying me a car. And I was constantly raving about how I want a Mustang because my friends who were 16 and driving already at the time uh, were big car guys, and they were they all had loud, fun cars. Like, Arian had a BMW M3 that he still has. is so sick. Uh, anyways, so... There was this white Mustang that fit everything that my family wanted or my mom was okay with. It was in our price budget. Uh, My mom wanted me to get an automatic, which I hate right now, but I thank her for in the long run because it wouldn't have been fun to have in high school. Sure. Um, But it it met everything. Mileage count. uh, The interior was good. Uh, It passed passed all the tests. Uh, my dad and I go drive a convertible Camaro, and then another day we go and drive this white Mustang. And I was sure. like, I kind of had my heart set on this car. I was like, okay, this is this is going to be the car I get. It's perfect. It's literally like everything that I need. It's perfect. And my dad and I go drive it, and he seemed content. And a couple days later, the Mustang goes off the website. And I'm like, and I start freaking out because I thought somebody bought it because I thought everybody viewed how good of a deal it was to me the same way I did, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, like, it was such a steal that I thought a, l- a bunch of other people were looking at it, and they took it, uh, which was very naive of me because a couple of days later, I come home, and uh, my dad parks in the driveway. He typically opens the garage as he's driving up the driveway and goes in the garage and parks next to my mom. Well, the garage is closed, and he drives up the driveway and um, parks where the third garages that we have a bunch of stuff in and he parks in front of that and my mom comes out and I'm like what's going on and she has the garage clicker and she she presses she presses the clicker and the white Mustang I had had my heart set on was sitting in the garage wow and and I think uh, I think the first words that came out of my mouth or excuse my French but no fucking way yeah I was like, are you shitting me? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I said uh, stuff like that. Like, I, I, I cursed for probably, like, the first, first, like, three or four sentences, and my mom was filming me. <laughs> and it, it's a great video to this day. I need to find it and show you. But, um, yeah, that was the start of me getting my Mustang and then went through a lot of stuff. That car's been through hell and back, man. So you once backed into a ditch. Oh, my God. I knew you <laughs> I, 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 that's the name of my Snapchat private story. I'm sure you know that. Yes. And is that is that where you got the idea, or is that uh, where I got the idea? Did I tell you the story? No, I've never heard the story. And what a better place to tell it than on the balcony and on the Trail Mix podcast, Mac. Second day, I had the Mustang. <laughs> literally, the, not literally, even forty-eight literally, hours have eclipsed. No, it's literally two days after the garage day. After I got home, literally two days. Second day driving my car. <laughs> I go to my friend Arian's house. Arian lives in a relatively quiet, offset neighborhood on a main road, on main highway in Houston. Um, that's kind of by where I live, and that's why we were such good friends because we live relatively close to each other and went to a same the same school far away. And so his house is, this neighborhood has thin one lane or barely two lane roads that are unmarked, no street lamps, big houses, probably only like 15 houses in the neighborhood. Sure. Uh, Go to his house. He's got this long driveway, two big gates. Go in the gate on the right, park up. We go do whatever we were doing. Uh, Whole squad was there. Uh, We all had our cars there. It was a good time. I don't know what we did, but we just normal teenage stuff, whatever we were doing. We're leaving, and it's pitch black outside. It's dark. And my car came with a rearview backup camera, and it pops up in the top left corner of the rearview mirror. Right. And so everybody's leaving, and I'm the last one in the driveway. My friend Travis had already backed out, and he was down the street. 
my friend Tyler had already backed out. He was down the street. Um, they, we all cruised together when we went home and we just like Fast and Furious 6 at the end, like look at each other when we separate. Right. Like Vin Diesel and Paul Walker in the, in the old <laughs> Charger awesome. in the white Supra. We all just cruise together. And then when we separate, we look at each other like that. And it's like, it's, it's, it's fun. So then after that, so I'm backing up. Arian's driveway is long. It's dark outside. Uh, and I'm a 16-year-old kid who has a car that I've always wanted backing out of this long driveway. And I'm not using my mirrors. I'm using my backup camera. Okay. Because I, this driveway just kept going and going. And I'm backing up. I'm backing up. Looking at the rear view camera. I just see nothing but black. Next thing I know, I'm past the gate in the street. And my car is starting to tilt backwards. Oh, and I don't no. remember what thoughts I was processing at the time, but I I had backed into the drainage ditches that were on either side of uh, the road the, because that neighborhood is really low-lying. There's a lot of flooding in, in that okay. area. It's uh, lots of rain, lots of water. So big drainage ditches on the other side. Yeah. And I'm, I'm backed up at probably like a 45-degree angle facing up this berm in this ditch and uh my headlights are shining up in the sky like like i'm sim- uh, i'm summoning batman or something something like right like it's it's crazy so my friend travis arian's closing the gate i think he already had closed the gate and my friend travis gets back in and he runs and he's like arian you gotta come see this we got a situation and <laughs> they come back to see me just distraught with my car in the ditch <laughs> and basically we tried to uh, Arian goes and gets his dad it's me Travis our friend Tyler um Arian me and his dad and uh T- Tyler did the most t- if Tyler ever listens to this Tyler did the most Tyler Morris thing of all time and halfway through helping he's like oh my mom's got, gotta get me home I gotta be home by curfew my mom <laughs> <laughs> the, the, he, did, on, he did the most the most typical thing ever so he leaves midway through and we're trying to push the trunk down because uh, my rear my rear wheels weren't always weren't all the way on the ground so we're trying to push the trunk down so I have a solid pad of contact to try to drive up okay but nothing works so thank God Arian and his family are well off and wealthy because Mr. Minoe Arian's dad went and got in his f250 pickup that wow. was less than 50 yards away backed up through. Uh, a tow line under my axle and pulled me right out. Wow. There was, uh, I thought there was going to be damage to my bumper. There wasn't really, there wasn't any damage to my bumper. Um, we just had to pop it like back into place just a little bit. And there was mud in my exhaust. So we cleaned up my rear end and uh, I, when I revved it, uh, my car shot out mud. It looked like I was taking a poop. <laughs> so after that, we clean up and uh, my dad, my dad arrives literally as we get the car clean because I called him and told him what I did, okay. and he pulls up and it, it's, it, it. We could have pranked him. The car looked so perfect, like yeah. we could have totally pranked him and okay. said that none of this ever happened. But yeah, that's pretty much the story. And the quick little ex- excerpt after, uh, Mr. Minoe, Sean Minoe, Arian's the uh, Arian. His son is my best friend. Is like the craziest. Is he's the biggest meme. And jokester I probably ever met in my life. Right. Kid, kid's crazy. Um, his, and he had to get it from somewhere. He got it from his dad. Right. His dad calls Arian into the office the next day and says, Hey, Arian, I have the, I have the gate footage of Mac backing in the ditch. Do you want to watch it? <laughs> and I, I thank the Lord every day that Arian said, No, I would have to meme him too hard if wow. you showed me that footage. So he came in the clutch, and the footage was deleted a couple days later, and not saved and thank god thank thank i'm looking at the heavens right now thank you god arian's a true homie for that Ar- arian is a homie for that move uh also fun fact the plot of land in the house that was across the street from arian's and technically i'd back into the ditch that was in front of this house okay it before it was purchased I think a year earlier by none other than Tracy McGrady. 
So wow, I backed into he had he wasn't living there at the time. He's moved in since, and he lives there day to day now. Now, why isn't that but your private I, story? I I actually I I should say I once, I once backed, backed into, into Tracy, Tracy McGrady's ditch. ditch. Yeah, because it was his ditch. It <laughs> it was literally the ditch in front of his house. That's a great story. I so second day I ever got my car, I backed it into a ditch that belonged to Tracy McGrady. Wow, that's a podcast moment. Hey. One for one for the win. Trail mix. Absolutely. If for those of you who don't know, uh, Jack and I just recently went on a trip up to Payson, Arizona, to help produce broadcasts for uh, the Arizona Hotshots and the other teams that go to these tournaments, and we helped produce a broadcast. And um, we were staying in room one for one. Jack and I were paired up, and we had we had some good times in room one for one. And it also was fitting. And I mean, we'll segue into something that we were planning on talking about. Absolutely. One four one is the number used in Task Force One Four One, which is a fictional military unit in none other than the great video game series Call of Duty. And Jack and I both love Call of Duty, and there was an opening to use our room number as a joke to become Task Force One Four One. And so we embody the Arizona State Cronkite Task Force 141. We we are the Arizona State Task Force 141, without a doubt. So what was your first Call of Duty? What was the first one you... First one that I ever got my hands on was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. About, I don't know, probably halfway through its life cycle. So okay. probably about in the spring of that of the year that it, after the year it came out, spring of twenty twelve. Spring of twenty twelve, yeah, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I, I was so bad, dude. Oh my god, I played the campaign on recruit, and it took me like weeks to finish. Like I would die so many times in so many different missions, <laughs> and I eventually finished it. And I was so proud of myself that I posted it on my middle school Instagram. That's wow. that was a that was a middle school Instagram post. Yeah, that's that's a very twelve a very twenty twelve Instagram moment for sure. God, how much Instagram has changed, but we're not going to get into that. Yeah, social media in general. But um, anyways, I was so happy I posted I posted about it on my story. Like, and at this point in my life, I I wasn't the best socially in the world, so like I wasn't ready for Xbox Live. (laughs) And and what I don't know if anybody and what came with it. And what came with it, especially after Modern Warfare 2, that, that Modern Warfare 2 was the birth of toxicity in, in Call of Duty. Sure. But I wasn't really ready for um, the toxicity of Call of Duty, and I also really wasn't ready at the time, because like, I didn't really have a ton of friends besides some people I talked to at my school, right. and like I would get them to play with me, but I was, I was just so annoying. I was an annoying little kid. Like, right. And they, they hated me for that. They were kind of mean, don't get me wrong, but they hated me for it. And so, like, it just wasn't really the best time for me to be playing Call of Duty. But then I picked up Black Ops 2. Like, I, I picked up on the hype because I started playing multiplayer in MW3 really sure. late. And I picked up on the hype for Black Ops 2. And I wanted, I got the, I got the Care Package Edition for Christmas. Okay. And it was, like, the super deluxe edition that came with uh, this... Uh, I don't know if you remember, there's a score streak called the uh, Dragonfire, which is basically, imagine, like, a quad-rotor drone with a machine gun on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was like the big score streak that was on, like, the cover of some of the, some, like, some of the cover art and some of the right. stuff. And so the Care Package Edition was this big black and orange box that looked like a Care Package in-game, and it, uh, and it had a quad-rotor drone in it. It wasn't like, it wasn't super fancy. It was made out of foam. It was really cheap, but it was still so cool. Yeah, they gave you a and drone. it was a, it was like a limited thing in it. Sure. And I got a bunch of like codes and in-game access. I got a bu- I got the hard the steel book cover of the game. Okay. Um and then I got the Dragonfire and I think some other stuff. And sure. That's where it just kind of took off for me. I love that game to this day. It's actually in my Xbox One. So right that now. was your first Real the first experience. real COD experience was Black Ops 2. And the first real accomplishment I ever got in Call of Duty was the MP7 Gold 
got a gold MP7. And then I got, I think I got, like, a gold, like, MSMC, which was a sub. Oh, my God. I got, um, did I get a gold assault rifle? I don't know. But then afterwards, I got really into quickscoping because quickscoping was a huge deal. By the time, by the, I think halfway through, like, the Ghost's life cycle, because Ghost came after Black Ops 2. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, Ghost was terrible. Ghost is one of my worst two Call of Duties all, of all time. Okay. Um. Anyways, so I, during Ghost and Advanced Warfare, which is also a terrible Call of Duty, uh, I was going back and playing Black Ops 2, and I got really good at quickscoping. Okay. And I got Diamond Snipers, and that was my first yeah, big Call of Duty. Yeah, I remember the com- Diamond Camos. I got Diamond Snipers, and that was my first big Call of Duty accomplishment. We were at our... I, I remember I got it at our beach house in Galveston. We have subtle little beach house down in Galveston, Texas on yeah. the beach. and The third um, coast. Third coast, yes. That's an actual thing, which people refer to. It's a real thing. People Just sometimes about it. Sometimes people don't believe it. Yeah. Um, it's a real thing. And so we were down at the beach house, and I was using... The last sniper I had to get was this thing called the XPR. It yep. was this, like, semi-automatic sniper rifle that was just had the worst recoil it sucked i hated it and i i got it gold i think at like 1 a.m one night when i was like 14 15 years old and i was from like age 13 to probably 16 i was a true gamer okay i I gamed so much okay and i i remember i got the notification on the screen that i got diamond because you had to get a certain amount of uh, five kill streaks in a row, bloodthirsties, and I got it, and I screamed at the top of my lungs and ran across the hallway into this other room and woke up the entire house because I got diamond snipers. <laughs> because I had I had worked my my butt off. You, you were really living. I I was I was I was not that great at that game until the end end of it, right. until like 2014 2015, but. I had so much fun playing that game. I still love it. Like I said, it's literally in my Xbox right now. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, dude. So for me, yeah, my yeah. First, what's what's your first COD? My first Call of Duty was. I remember when I was nine. My friend Corey Troxel, uh, shout out Corey, uh, goes to Cal Poly these days. He would always get the brand new Call of Duty every single year and he would get the brand new Madden and I was like what how (laughs) like I would have to wait for Christmas and birthdays he would get it like day it came out you know Madden 08 boom I'm at Corey's house you know NBA 2K9 boom at Corey's house MW2 comes out and I'm playing with Corey and I suck and I'm so bad everybody that started in Call of Duty has the same stories about how they couldn't aim and they got stabbed to death 20 times a game because they were AFK in the back of the map. And for me, I was like, I enjoyed it. And uh, I enjoyed it, but I needed, you know, I didn't really think it was for me. And obviously, like you said, the toxicity of Xbox Live was a lot to take in at nine years old. You really had to be, for the people that don't understand the you old days of tough. Xbox Live... You really had to have thick skin. Your they skin, would come for you. They would come for your family. They would come for you, your nearest, your your dearest ones, your closest ones, your loved ones. Anything you held close. Any anything that was just in your vicinity. Anything yeah. anything that could be attributed to somebody was at risk for just absolute hellfire by by mouth. It's <laughs> <laughs> the perfect way to describe it, and so. That was really interesting, and um, I remember I saw the commercial for Call of Duty Black Ops, the original Black Ops, in early 2010, and they had a sponsorship. This was the peak of Call of Duty, right at the turn of the decade. The Golden Age. The Golden Age was, I don't mean to interrupt, but Golden Age was COD 4 Modern Warfare to probably the end of Black Ops 2. Yeah, I would say that's the golden age. That's the golden age of Call of Duty. You could, you might be able to include a little bit of Ghosts, but just say it was a crappy game. Yeah. The experience and the vibes carried over to Ghost, even though 
even though it was a bad game. This is just when they were basically the 90s bulls of video games. I would say... They just ruled the world. I would say Call of Duty, the golden age of Call of Duty died when Advanced Warfare came out with Advanced Movement and Jetpack. Oh, sure. And, like, we're going to touch on that in a minute. But when Black Ops had their sponsorship or their partnership in advertising with Jeep... Of all companies. Oh, yeah, no, I remember that. They had Jeep commercials that had Black Ops in them, and I remember it was remember. it was set in Cuba, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever, and I begged my parents, can you please buy me this game? And they did for Christmas, and I remember playing the campaign, and it was set during the Cold War, and just the whole premise of the campaign. It's a great campaign. With, it's one of the best. With... You know, you had covert Russian spies that turn out to not even really exist. It's a, it's a continuation of World at War. And uh, that was another thing. I, Corey and I played World at War because that was the last co-op campaign. And we would play that for like Dude, six hours. I never played World at War. Oh, my God. You you missed. I, I know. You missed a point. I know. A crucial point of childhood if you didn't play the co-op. I would have at some point loved to play Prime At some World point we're going to find a way to play the co-op campaign. I would love to do that. That was with a you. seminal moment. I'll, I would love to do that. One with of the you. best days of my life, I was 9 and I was with Corey. We played the entire World at War campaign start to finish and then we had our parents drive us to the movie theater to watch The Blind Side. What a day. What a day, right? That's a that's that's probably just like in retrospect that's probably one of the greatest days of your life it's top 10 just for because sure. you played an incredible game yeah and you had an incredible time and then you went and saw an incredible movie incredible i mean like played this game front cover to back cover then went to see the story of michael orr Im- immaculate vibes all around without a doubt unparalleled and just the the maps in cod black ops the original maps like firing what was it? Firing, firing range. range? Yeah, I almost said firing, firing squad. Uh, oh. Nuketown, was, the original well, Nuketown. Nuketown you, you can never overlook Nuketown. But yeah. then in that game, there was also Summit. I'm big sure fan you, of Summit. Sure I was, played Summit. Yeah. Um, there was Jungle. I'm not a big Jungle guy, but there was but Jungle. It's a classic. WMD, also a classic. WMD is a good one. Uh, let's see. I, I'm thinking of all the maps. They're just There were some really bad maps in that game, too. There like, were some bad maps. But, but I, think, I think generally, as... If anybody, like, knows Call of Duty, I would say that the map pool in that game was one of the best map pools that's come out Without of, it. Uh, uh, overall. Without it. I no. think Black Ops 2 probably... Black Ops 2 or MW2 probably has the best map pool overall, but Black Ops definitely has some good ones. They also had... What was that uh, map with the rocket in it that took off midway oh, through? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know it's... Is it, was it launch? Is that what it was? Yeah, launch, called? launch. And the zombies mode was Ascension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ascension, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. The zombies... Zombies? Go oh, ahead. my goodness. Zombies in Black Ops playing Kino with your friends until 2 in the morning. It was it was a magical time. It was magical. Doubt. It was terrifying. Yes. It was, oh. it was... It was engaging. It was energetic. Kept you on the edge of your seat. You had to work as a team. There were so many different goals, so yeah. many different tasks, so many different things you can do. And the zombies world has just gotten even, even bigger, dude. It's going to be huge. Well, well, the original four characters the, and the storylines, all the storylines that go with them, it's over. It's a completely new storyline now. Yes. So Nikolai, Takio, Tank, and Richtofen are all Richtofen. Richtofen. Rick. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. Richtofen are all... They're gone. Done. They're yeah. done. But they they had they had an incredible run. They did have an incredible run, and going transitioning from that into Black Ops Two Zombies with my all time favorite zombies map, Mob of the Dead. I knew you're gonna say it. Which means a lot to me as a native of the Bay Area because I've been to Alcatraz, and for anybody that's been to Alcatraz Island, to see the unbelievable attention to detail that the development team took. There is not a single floorboard piece. Out of place? Out of place in that map in terms of the design. Everything is exactly to scale. Obviously, the catacombs I've never been in. I don't know if they exist, but that's maybe an extension of the game. But the actual prison itself, if you go tour it, it is exactly the same. 
if you think about it, Mob of the Dead was revolutionary for zombies, and here's why. Mob of the Dead introduced the idea of, like, do you remember the electricity system and how you have to become, like, a ghost and you have to go through the walls and stuff yes. to, yes. like, turn on the power and all this other stuff? Yeah, it was Afterlife. And do tasks. Afterlife, that's what it's called. Yeah. Afterlife was huge. And then just also the idea of feeding the dog, Brutus, was that his name or something? Yep. Feeding the dog zombie bodies to accomplish certain tasks and Easter eggs. Uh, I would say that Mob of the Dead is really what allowed Black Ops zombies and Call of Duty zombies in general. That is basically the catalyst for the Easter egg movement of, yeah. of Black Ops. There were always Easter eggs, but if you think about it, uh, the Hell's Retriever and Hell's Redeemer throwing yeah. throwing tomahawks, whatever. Yeah, and then you awesome. also had the Golden Spork yeah. uh, Easter egg, which you had to do all this crazy stuff, and you got this incredible melee weapon that killed up to around 20 in one or two hits or something like yeah. that. Like, th- it was so revolutionary. It also had new perks, like Electric Cherry yeah. and some of those other perks. Yeah. It was just so revolutionary in the way. And also the trolley system. Or the, 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 not the trolley, but the, the uh, gondola. The gondola, that's what it was. The, the, it was just so big for zombies. Also, it just was such a good looking map, dude. It's such a good looking map. I, I, I can't rave enough about Mob of the Dead. I wish, I wish I had more, I wish I had more experiences on Mob of the Dead and knew how good it was at the time because I feel like. It was a little too complicated for me at the time for what I was doing. Yeah. And I never really got super into the Easter egg side of it. At the time, I was a Zombies player who enjoyed playing Town. And I enjoyed <laughs> I enjoyed camping Top Bar and Cages on the other side yep. where the mystery boxes spawned. Yeah. And I would just camp there for as long as I could with my friends, and that's what we would do. And um, that was always the goal. I. Uh, I would I would say that maps like Transit and Mob of the Dead were really the catalyst maps for the Easter eggs and the complicated, crazy Easter eggs that we've gotten as Call of Duty Zombies has evolved. Yeah, and, you know, the whole experience of incorporating teamwork where you had to rely... This was where... <laughs> I felt like friendships were strengthened even online because you really had to rely on certain players to accomplish certain tasks. And you'd hop on with three of your buddies and you'd know instantly, okay, you're going to handle this, you're going to handle that, you're going to get all the parts to pack a punch. Yeah, exactly. Like, we need to operate as a team here. Like, you're going to get the last zombie and run it around the map. Right. You're going to get a crawler. I'm going to open the door to Jug. You're going to open the door to the box. Etc. I mean, truthfully, like, even today with the amount that we have to interact as journalists and putting together projects and broadcasts and live sporting events, I feel the same teamwork vibes that I got from zombies that I developed when I was 12 playing zombies that I use today. That's how crazy it is. We've seen, I, I feel like in the gaming world across the past three or four years, we've seen a big surge of battle royale games and i feel like battle royale games pull on that teamwork aspect that things like call of duty zombies do so well because in battle royale games you have to work as a team and you have to do certain tasks if you assign tasks to people like for example with warzone if there's a bounty on my head my team has to protect me or has to kill the people coming after me before probably before I should just because if they kill me they get the money yeah you know or exam or uh, something I'll go loot this building you go get us a scavenger contract or you go get this contract I'll float uh, and I'll go get the contract wherever it lands like, right it's I feel like that war zone which is the greatest BR that's ever been created thus far yes because it's the perfect integration of the gold standard of FPS, which is Call of Duty, and uh, PUBG, gold standard yeah. of Battle Royale, ideals. Fortnite, yeah. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we've seen a lot of resurgence with teamwork in video games, 
when it comes to battle royales, especially when you play stuff like quads or trios. I think that's a really good thing. Too. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think gamers, to be a successful gamer in games like Call of Duty, you need teammates. You can, it's just like it's just like life. You can't you can't navigate life without other people, pretty much. Like you have to talk to other people, have to work with other people, have to do stuff to set up your life. And in Call of Duty, you have to interact with people, work with people to set up a Warzone victory. And I feel like that's a good analogy for life too. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just I feel like video games. Video games get a bad rap, especially games like GTA, Call of Duty. I think violent of, video games violent get, a, get bad a bad. Rap. That's what I mean. So, it's I don't know. I feel like as a gamer, you need you every every gamer that plays a team based game knows how to work with people or has to be able to work with people. Yeah, you're forced to work with people. The greatest Call of Duty players of all time, Crim Six, Scum, Karma, they couldn't do it by themselves. They had to have each other they had to have other players they had to have their teammates they had to have people doing roles that they couldn't do because they had their own role to fill to fulfill yeah so that those are those are just kind of my thoughts i would say and those are honestly really good points because it's it's a relevant topic because a lot of people when violent things happen in the world they turn their attention to violent video games but i think is a generation that didn't grow up playing those video games they don't understand the way that exactly. a generation that did grow up playing them in my opinion it's really had a lot more benefits to not just not just me having fun and gaming to just personal development you know yeah for sure i i would say i would i would agree i would agree that gaming has done a lot for me beyond just the pleasure of getting the experience of the game it's also the experience of playing something and facilitating a hobby you love with the people around you like and whether that's somebody you know in person or somebody you just met in a lobby who you vibe with and you're in another lobby and you're never going to meet them in your life physically but you're going to talk to them for one hour you're going to play two warzone games and you're going to vibe for that time and then that's it i feel like it's going to be really interesting to see what our generation looks like when we're parents and we grow up because we're the first gamers. We're the first generation of gamers, pretty much. Just with mass technology in general. Well, I would say I would agree. Yeah, we're we're the probably the first generation that has grown up with like like my parents didn't grow up with a MacBook Pro and an iPhone, yeah. like or having an Xbox and a laptop and an iPhone or a TV, like, having a bunch of devices, like, we're the first, like, generation to grow up with social media and all these things, and it's crazy to think about how that may shift what the world looks like when we grow up, and even more in, like, 20, 30 years. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, Mac, with this podcast going on for about 90 minutes... We're man, I was I was ready. I'm ready to keep going, man. But I, I if you want to cut it, I'm. We good. are definitely going to have you back on, dude. Without a doubt, you and I. You I got to show. Hey, I got something that we can talk about. Hey, absolutely, brother. We will put that on the burner for next time. I got. We got things. We got things to talk about. This a recurring, recurring guest on this podcast, Mac Friday. Without a doubt, brother. Thank you for joining me.